0: And our chapter reading for today is the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24. This is an incredible chapter, and there is no way in 15 to 20 minutes that I can cover all of the passages and all of the great truths that are here. So I'm going to just deal with some of the beginning of this chapter, and then God willing, in the years ahead, we will cover more and more. I'm often asked now, what are we going to do next year when we go through the Bible and we use these chapters and other for the 365 plan, and I say we'll do it again. But also next year, we will look at more material because, you see, God has taught us from Boaz that we always leave some gleanings in the edge of the field. And so there's been plenty left for us to glean in the months and years ahead. But let's get to Matthew chapter 24. As you know, Jesus has been lamenting over the city of Jerusalem, he has now come away really rejected, and it's not going to be long until he will be crucified. He will be crucified as the Passover lamb. And in verse 24, the scripture says, "'Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, "'Do you not see all of these things?' Amen. Amen. Assuredly, I say unto you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, there's a lot I would like to say here, but again, time will only allow so much. Now, if you go to Jerusalem today and you go to Mount Moriah, Mount Moriah, and you see the walls around the city, Many think those are the walls uh, and the eastern gate that would have been there during the days of Jesus. I often hear this from people, not necessarily in my group, but in others. The walls that are there were only built in the 1500s. And in many cases, they were built upon the walls that were there before them. But when it comes to Mount Moriah, Mount Moriah, the western wall is standing, the southern wall much of it is standing. The eastern wall, much of it is standing. Some of it is underground. As a matter of fact, concerning the western wall, most of it is underground, and it runs the entire length of what would have been the temple during the days of Jesus. Now, most people don't know that. And so when you look at the Western wall today, what is called in Hebrew, the Kotel. It's called primarily by the rest of the world, the Wailing Wall. You have to understand that's only a very small portion of the retaining wall that was around the temple complex. Now, during the days of Solomon, the temple platform was leveled, it was expanded on top of the mountain around where the foundation stone is, the top of Mount Moriah, the winnowing threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. And so Solomon built up that area by building a retaining wall and filling in around the backfield so that he could have a level place to build that temple. Now, that was expanded during the Hasmonean period. The Hasmoneans, the Maccabees, they expanded that area. And then Herod the Great came in and did a massive expansion that was there during the days of Jesus. And the walls that you see around the western area today and the southern area, And even on the eastern side, especially the southeastern side, you can see the great Herodian stones that were brought in, quarried and brought in. And uh, many of them uh, have the mark that was the trademark of the architecture of Herod the Great in the temple area, which was a frame around the stones. Now, many times uh, this is called library paneling if it's in a house, and because it is a framed type of wood. Well, the stones look like that, that were Herodian stones. And many times when people go to the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall, the Kotel, they don't realize, if they do not know their history, that there was only a very small portion of that wall that was accessible to the Jews for hundreds of years, hundreds of years. They could only come under the rule and reign of Muslims and Islam. They were only allowed to come for just a short time on a holiday or two if the uh, sultan was generous, and the rest of the time, they could not even get close to that area because it was all under the control of Muslims. Now, this ought to tell us something. When the Muslims are in control, how much freedom do you have? Let's just look at uh, one of our present-day allies in the United States, Saudi Arabia. If you go to Saudi Arabia, our soldiers who have been there— They are not allowed to carry Bibles open. They're not allowed to do a whole lot of things that we take for granted every day of our lives. We think it's atrocious, but we don't do anything about it. We go and rescue these people, but yet we don't even carry our Bibles with us because we're afraid we're going to offend them. Now, I understand when you're in someone else's country, you do what others do. But what I'm telling you is you need to look behind this and see that Islam is a domineering, damnable religion there is nothing good about it i know by saying this i will offend many and i'm just telling you the truth and many of the people that i know in the middle east are muslims just like i know many roman catholics i know many mormons i don't condemn them but i do condemn the religion and the reason is it is heresy What you have with Islam is uh, something that denies. It's just opposite of Christianity. As a matter of fact, one of the cardinal tenets of Islam is God has no son. And that is written on the Dome of the Rock in Arabic. God has no son. Well, the Bible says that is the spirit of Antichrist. So we need to quit kidding ourselves about peaceful Islam. Islam only negotiates until it becomes predominant and then it dominates. And there is history abounding to prove what I'm saying. I'm not just making this up. This is not some tirade against Islam. I'm trying to help you to understand the background of the passage in Matthew chapter 24. Islam did not come about until 600-plus years after Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. But from the time of the 630s onward, that's right, the 630s A.D., all the way to 1917, 1917 A.D. There's only been a couple hundred years when Islam has not been in control of that area. And when Islam is in control of an area, Christianity is shut out. And Judaism is shut out. And it is dominated. This is why people are amazed that Moshe Dayan in 1967 at the reunification of the city of Jerusalem and the taking back of the Temple Mount... That when the Grand Mufti in 1967 from Jordan handed Moshe Dayan, the one-eyed general of uh, the Israeli Defense Forces, the keys to the Temple Mount, he handed them back over because of the law of status quo of the British. Now, all I'm saying is... Ever since then, there has been trouble at the Al-Aqsa Mosque, at uh, the Dome of the Rock, on the Temple Mount, and that is increasing, and I believe it will be a source of great trouble in the days ahead. But I want to get back to what I'm talking about in Matthew 24 as it relates to this area. Again, Islam controlled this for years and years, and so until the reunification of the city, Jews that you see at the Kotel at the Western Wall were not allowed to even be there. So that is not part of the temple complex as far as the inside. It is the outside retaining wall. Many people think the Western Wall is a wall of the ancient temple not even close. And this western wall runs the entire length of the temple complex. Now you have the rabbinical tunnels that many of you have been in over the years. Well, I can tell you in the last two years, it has been amazing what they have found and how they've expanded that whole complex. The Davidson Center, the Southern Steps complex where Peter would have preached the great Pentecostal message, all of those, you can see these great Herodian stones. And the reason I'm telling you this is because when Jesus said this, many people of our day, and especially people that are not familiar with the Middle Eastern history and the history of the temples and the history of the Jews, many Americans that go to Israel and Europeans, they believe this Western wall complex was part of the temple. And often I've had people say to me, well, I thought in Matthew 24, Jesus said, not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Well, that's true of the temple, not of the temple complex. Remember, the Western Wall, the Southern Wall, the Eastern Wall, the Northern Wall were all retaining walls. And especially that Western Wall, because it was built over the Tyropian Valley called the Cheesemakers Valley or the Western Valley that lay between the Mount Moriah and the Western Hill, as it's called in the Bible. And it would have been the area where Hezekiah would have expanded the great broad wall and would have taken in all of the area today that would have been. The area where Jesus, for instance, would have had the last Passover with his disciples where Herod's great palace would have been in the area of what is called the citadel today, the western area called the Jaffa Gate. So for those of you who go to Israel and who have been to Israel and have stayed there, that's the area that many people associate with this uh, temple complex, that western wall, that retaining wall. That is is not it at all. Every stone of the temple was thrown down, just like Jesus said. But he did not say all of the complex would be. Now, moving on to verse 3. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? What things? That is going back to his predicting in verse 2 of the destruction of the temple. In 70 A.D. that's when it happened and he didn't say when it was going to happen he just said it was going to happen historically we know that the rebellion of the Jews what was called the first revolt happened in 67 B.C. and that's when it really got underway and for three years the Roman armies and the legions marched in and laid siege to the city in 70 AD after Vespasian had gone back to Rome uh, to become the emperor and the Caesar. Then his son Titus, Titus, carried through and uh, destroyed the temple. And if you've been to Rome, you know the Arch of Titus that was built in honor of Titus and his great victory in the east has a carving a relief of the Romans carrying victoriously the great menorah, the seven branch lampstand that was in the temple back into Rome. And so when he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, Lord, tell us when will these things be? When will the temple be destroyed? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Now some people say that this is two questions. Some people say it's three questions. Some people say that when it says, tell us when these things will be, and what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age, that's all one question. Well, uh, whether it's one, two, or three questions, Jesus gives the answer, and he gives it in a threefold way. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. That's still happening today, by the way. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes. Now, pestilences are plagues, i.e., plagues that will darken the face of the earth. I'm not talking about COVID. COVID killed many people, but much of that was because of The panic and the lack of leadership, and to some degree, willful, I believe, willful neglect, willful uh, deception. And it says, and there will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, this is important to understand this. From time to time, people will say to me in America, well, this is happening here, and this this uh, president's doing this, and this is being allowed, and prayers out of the schools, and Christians are being persecuted. Well, let me just tell you, first of all, America is not the barometer of God's moving in the earth. Israel is the real key to understanding biblical prophecy and end time happenings and the end of the age, just like Jesus is talking here. But people say, well, it's getting so bad. Jesus has to come. Well, let me just tell you, America, if you're listening, Western Europe, if you're listening, persecution may be here in spots, but persecution in a widespread area is not happening in America and only in spots in Europe, especially Western Europe. And so we have not seen the great persecution that has happened in the Middle East. We've not seen the great persecutions like have happened in in Russia and anti-Semitism and anti-Christian sentiment. I'm talking about evangelicalism and and the preaching of Jesus as the only way of salvation. We've not seen, as uh, is in China and the other communist countries, the great persecution. So we have not been under some kind of horrible situation. I believe we will be, but we are not there yet. But even when these times come, let me tell you what it is. It's the beginning of sorrows. Only the beginning. The end is not yet. But Jesus also said in other places, when you see these things happening, all of these signs, and he gave many of them To the preparation for the great tribulation, the great crushing, the megale thlipsis. That's the word, the great crushing, the pressure that's coming. He said, when you see all of these signs to that, lift up your head. Your redemption draws near. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies.